So, may we start? So may we start? It's the Review A New Podcast. I had to go with the obvious one there. Uh, <laughs> what's going on, y'all? It's the Review A New Podcast. I'm DJ. I'm Evan. And this is the podcast where we typically look back at the movies of our favorite but imperfect filmmakers and talk about their work from a modern lens. But today, we are taking on another Kofi request, once again from Dr. Goatman. Thank you so much for your request, who re- uh, who requested 2021's Annette. And if you'd like to request a movie, album stream, or music video for me to review, head on over to that Kofi, kofi.com slash rap critic. You know what's up. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Freaking Annette, truly a movie musical uh, in the in the vein of, what was that movie we watched last time? Phantom of the Paradise, you know? Oh, no, don't even, all right. So. Oh, no. I've, so DJ, DJ was at my house on Monday for Hanukkah, and I was biting my tongue the whole time because I was like, I'm not going to say anything about this movie. I'm not, I'm going to save it for the podcast. I'm going to save it for the podcast. I'm not going to say anything. What I have to say is first of all, Doctor Goatman, we appreciate you. We love you. Please don't give up on us. I hope that I hope that this does not drive you away forever. But uh, but once upon a time, we watched a little something called the unaired pilot of a Clerks sitcom, and I thought that was the worst thing I'd ever seen. Oh no! And it has been dethroned. Damn! No. I am so angry about how bad this movie is, and I have, and I'm going to start right at the top. I have three nice so things to say about Annette. <laughs> I have I have precisely three nice things to say about Annette, so I'm going to go ahead and say them. Damn. First, the first nice thing is that there are some cool visuals in the movie. There are some cool visuals right. in the movie. Some the cool, second nice surreal thing, sort of, uh, yeah. Yeah. The second nice thing I have to say is that the opera singer who dubs Marion Cotillard when she is actually singing opera has a very pretty voice. The soprano... Uh, has a very pretty voice. And the third nice thing I have to say is that Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, and Simon Helberg are acting their little butts off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wish I could have seen them act with a better <laughs> script. This this movie is so fucking bad. And, it's make, and the reason it's making me angry is because... You know, at least with Clerks, I'm like, I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh my god, this shit's so bad. Not not movie, but the the um, but the 22 minute pilot for yeah, the terrible yeah. the live sitcom. That, pilot. If you haven't if you haven't heard that pilot, and you want to listen to me and DJ go on for two hours about a 22 minute pilot, <laughs> have at it. Um, but with this one. Like, at least with that sitcom, I was like, okay, anybody could see this is terrible. I'm just going to riff on why this is terrible. With this, apparently it got good reviews and also won at least one award at a festival. And so I'm sitting here like going, am I taking crazy pills? (laughs) What the fuck? And and, and I will say also before anybody comes in with like, well, you just don't understand musicals. Okay. I have a degree in theater. I have done musicals professionally. I have literally like I was paid to be in Brigadoon. Okay. I know musicals. I love musicals. I love movie musicals. I love newer movie musicals. I fucking love Moulin Rouge. I fucking love (laughs) The Phantom of the Paradise. This turd is... This is such an insult. I said my wife was trying to watch it with me the first time I tried to watch it. She got about... She got 40 minutes in and gave up. I would have given up after maybe 10 minutes if I weren't being, you know, obligated to watch it. It 
it felt like an insult. It felt like it was written by somebody. So it is a musical about an opera singer and a stand-up comic by somebody who clearly hates musicals and hates stand-up comedy and maybe feels neutral about opera. I can't quite you tell. Know, actually, I'll say, like, I think the opposite. I think that this person likes musicals and stuff like that, but doesn't know how to approach them other than, like, doing the very, like, I'm being meta about the fact that I like music musicals instead of just making their own musical. You know what I mean? Like, It felt like... Th- Okay, I think what bothered me the most is, and I will say that um, I'm trying to think how to phrase this succinctly. (laughs) So it felt like an insult and it felt like, fuck you if you like musicals. And the reason it felt like that to me is that all of the lyrics, the music's not great. The music is not great, but the lyrics were what really pissed me off mm. because all of the lyrics feel like placeholders. Like the way my what? wife put it, she was oh like, she was like, it feels like they were like, okay, here's what this song is going to be saying. We'll write the actual lyrics later. And then they never wrote actual <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> okay. So like there were some points where I definitely felt that, but I'm not going to lie. There were other points where like, cause I feel like the movie's trying to be like, uh, fourth wall breaking, especially with how it opens with the with the unbreaking shot at the beginning, where it's like, oh look, we're just seeing the actual musicians starting, you know, to to play the music, and and then they're coming at you and saying, oh, let's start the show, yeah, like, and so it's like, I feel like I want to respect it on that terms because it is trying to do the fourth wall breaking thing, and I think sometimes it works, but other times you're absolutely that right. Kinda... It is just so like specifically the song, we love each other so it much. Literally, the lyrics we to the love, love song. The lyrics to the fucking love song are we love each other so much over and over and over again. The song about the accompanist is called I'm an accompanist and he says I'm an accompanist repeatedly. Now see maybe that that was the actor uh, giving me a bit of the charm of that because I actually like enjoyed the fact that he was doing that for the right. I'm the accompanist and this is exactly how I feel. You you know what it was? You know what this reminded me of? It reminded me of that Futurama episode. Yes, dude, I literally said that. I literally said that. I was watching this movie and I said, you can't just have the characters sing exactly what they're feeling. That makes me angry. I literally said that. It is like, but it's it's like Fry wrote this thing, except if Fry had written it, it would be more charming. Um, there's, there, there is a scene, there is a scene that opens in a police station with a bunch of, Cops in blue uniforms with their cop badges, like obviously cops, like cartoon cops. And the first thing that they sing is, we are the police. <laughs> like, no shit. No shit. You're looking at six people in blue police uniforms and they go, we are the police. And it's not even like, a, we're the police and you'd better take that seriously or making a point. It's just literally informing you in case you couldn't see them with your eyeballs in their blue cop uniforms. It's just informing you that they're the police. And also, there's I'm an accompanist. When he comes back later... Simon Helberg's character, who, by the way, doesn't have a name. He's just the The conductor. conductor. Yeah. He's literally conducting. We're watching him conduct, and he's like, I'm a conductor now. Now I'm a conductor. I conduct. I used to be an accompanist, but now I'm a conductor, and I conduct. While he's conducting, it is. it just feels like a fucking... It, like it, it feels, feels like a musical for people who don't watch musicals. Like, you know what feel, I'm trying to say? Well, it feels like... A, it feels like... It literally, like, the impression I got 
and I will admit, this is just like my impression. This was my, my gut impression is that this was written by people who hate musicals, hate people who like musicals. And it was like, oh, fuck you. You like people singing about what's going on with them? Fuck you, you <laughs> stupid idiot. Like, that's what it felt like. It also felt like the stand-up comedy bits. So I'm Oh, like, yeah, that was the first. So I feel like the second half of this movie won me over a little bit. But the first half of the movie was just so jarring with what they were doing. But like I said, you remember what we talked about last time? Where it's like when someone watches a movie and, you know, in the, in a movie, when someone's watching a movie, it's like, that's not really a movie that anyone would watch. That's, the one, mm. it, that's how it sometimes feels with, like, when someone tries to write, like, a comedy bit in a movie who's not a comedian. Where it's just like, no one would go to see someone doing this. Like, right. this isn't it, what a comedian would get big none on. Of the, none of the stand-up is funny, and it's like... There's a bit midway through, there's a scene where he's doing stand-up and he's supposed to be bombing. So, okay, but like... It's like, yeah, the second time he comes in and he's supposed to be bombing because he's doing the material that's just so blue and off-color. But it's just like, but this is the same caliber of weirdly, like... Right, it's like you like you come on stage yeah. wearing underwear and a bathrobe and your whole thing. Also, like, I don't know, it felt like... It just felt so fucking pretentious. Like the comedian. Yes, pretentious. That's how it, the, it felt, you know? Right. Like the comedian characters, Adam Driver's character, whose name is, what is his name? Is like Henry Henry? Henry McHenry. Henry McHenry. <laughs> like fucking, um, like they're fucking Lolita with fucking Humbert Humbert over here. And he's called, he's called the Ape of the God. The Ape of God. I never understood how that. I And I get. <laughs> My my very generous interpretation of that is that it's supposed to be sort of like Bill Engvall's Here's Your Sign or something where it's like <laughs> it's a reference to some famous joke he made. And if you've heard the joke, then you get it. And if you don't, then you don't, whatever. But it just felt so fucking pretentious. And like and I think what irritated the shit out of me, too, is that like, first of all. There are so many stand-up comics in the world. How hard would it have been to hire one and have them write some actual fucking comedy? Yeah. Because the comedy was so unfunny and and the audience but- and the worst part was that the audience like they literally had like a sitcom laugh track like going after every fucking thing he said and none of it was funny and it felt like a fucking like friends laugh track it was so obnoxious yeah and i was thinking like as i was watching it was like is that the point that he's a bad comedian because as the movie goes on you know you see oh the opera star is rising and he's like falling on a favor you know like so i was thinking like is that the point that he's a hack you know what i mean but 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 the but the audience is like I think yeah, it was they're laughing. That, like, they're enjoying it. Their at first. laughter also, like, this was just bad production because the laughter of the audience, it wasn't just they're having the audience laugh at stuff that isn't really funny. It's that it literally sounded like a sitcom <clears throat> laugh track. It didn't sound like the way a stand up audience laughs at stand up. If you watch, like, somebody's comedy special, and you listen to what the audience laughs and how they laugh at the jokes. Like it's not like this uniform, like <laughs> line, <laughs> line, <laughs> the way that it is on a fucking like fake sitcom. And it, yeah, it was. Ugh. So I'm gonna go ahead and just also say like one of like the other thing that like really really pissed me off because I don't have the patience to like go through every single 
song before I get this. <laughs> Is no, I'm sorry. Like I am fucking mad. I was I am not literally, expecting the, the depth of anger. Angry. <laughs> no, I'm angry because here's the thing. Like you know what? If somebody makes some little indie movie with their money and it's kind of crappy or dumb or whatever, if somebody makes some schlocky, like schlocky, stupid little indie horror movie and it's cheesy, who cares? But but this movie this has, Amazon Studios like it's they have tons of money, tons of resources, tons of production value, some serious talent like Adam like again the Adam the Driver for God's sake. I think he does a great job with the material, you know. <laughs> yeah, but like the three the three lead actors are really good actors, so you've got this great cast, this great budget and 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 it's being wasted and also like the fact that critics apparently liked it and they got awards like it just makes me angry and so okay so here's the other thing that really pisses me off and it reminded me and this is just occurring to me now it reminded me of glee um and nothing to do with the music (laughs) nothing to do with the music actually but you know how um you know how glee i don't know how much you've paid attention to glee i stopped watching it um well before it ended but glee would do this thing where Ryan Murphy and and by the way I love a lot of what Ryan Murphy does. I love American Horror Story. Big American Horror Story fan. Love how how cheesy and crazy it is. I love like the American Crime Story. I've been really enjoying. Glee is a shit show. Glee was a shit show. And one of the reasons it was a shit show is that for some reason Ryan Murphy would decide he was going to do something topical or something like he was going to tackle an issue and then do it in the most ham-fisted, insensitive way possible. Like, Mm. we're going to have this character and we're going to have this character, um, you know, get bullied and attempt suicide. Or we're going to have this character who has a mental illness. Or we're going to have this character who gets abused by their spouse. We're going to have this character transition, whatever. It was always like, we're going to tackle this topic. And then it would be handled in just the dumbest way possible. And, and they want a like, cookie just for the fact of attempting the social commentary. And it's like, it would literally have been better if you just kept it, like, or like, um, the other thing, like Riverdale, like the way when Riverdale tried to tackle <laughs> Oh, Lord, Riverdale. <laughs> it's just, it's like, just don't try to do that. And I think what really pissed me off is that this movie made a feint at sort of addressing the Me Too movement yeah. in a way. Oh, man. Okay, so so here's the thing. So there's... Basically, and I'm sorry, I know I'm like steamrolling you. Oh, go but... off, King. Okay, thank you. I was like, I was like, I'm waiting for the go off, King. I'm waiting for the go to just fucking go off. So, okay, so basically, the plot, such as it is up until this point, is. Um, Adam Driver's character Henry is like this edgy stand-up comedian and we see him like they they have this kind of stupid conceit where he like he's wearing like a bathrobe and he's like jumping around like a boxer before he goes on stage and whatever okay but he's like an edgy comedian and he tells edgy outrageous offensive jokes like okay whatever that's his shtick he comes on that's his deal. Marion Cotillard is an opera singer. And apparently this is an, this is the one other thing that was kind of nice about the movie is that it exists in a parallel, parallel universe where an opera singer is an A-list celebrity. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, kind what, of nice. is, what year is this? Because everyone has uh, iPhones and shit. So yeah, like, no, <laughs> it's it's not like the past. It's just it's just a parallel universe where an opera singer who just sings on stage at like the city opera. Yeah, just in, a opera you know, singer, you know what I'm is, saying? Is like, like hounded by paparazzi and yeah. covered on the entertainment 
entertainment journalism. Yeah, so, like like her movies, like like they film her uh, operas and they get like millions of uh, you know uh, dollars at the box office. Yeah, yeah. Like, but she, <laughs> um, but so she's an opera singer. That we don't, you know, her opera seems kind of generic. It's so generic. Um, that was that was right? what I was thinking as I was saying. I was just like, what is this from? Is this it, from something? And it's so like they're vaguely gesturing and shit, like dialogue of the Carmelites. You know, the ending where it's like a woman goes up to like a scaffolding and is about to die or something like that. Like you can tell they're like it, referencing it things, like... but it feels like they're trying to get the brownie points just from referencing it and not just like doing an actual just number. You know what I mean? It, well, and it's again, it's what um, it's it's kind of that sense of like placeholder, like they stuck in opera. Mm. She yeah. does a opera. Yeah. Like that's what it felt like. Yeah, around a bunch of trees and she sings about being oh I'm Yeah, it, it does. It's like the soprano dubbing her ha- and oh this is the other thing. And so Marion Cotillard is an alto and she has a very beautiful alto, but she she's doesn't have much of an upper range and in this movie when she's singing actual opera they have her dubbed by a, a real opera singer, but then they also have her singing like herself but it's like out of her range and she really doesn't sound great. Um, and I thought that was kind of, they, they kind of did wrong by her. Adam Driver doesn't have a great voice. He's not terrible, yeah. but he just doesn't have a great voice. And Simon Helberg just talks things like kind of Rex Harrison talks yeah. things. The and, whole time. and like on one level, I wanted I wanted to try to engage it on its own level because right there is that level of uh you know late uh, 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 20th century opera that has a lot more you know spring uh, uh you know where it's like uh, I'm, I'm singing the part and there's lots of recitative and so we're just talking like this and da 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 and so it's like I wanted to give it that but like. Like, yeah, there would be just be, like, songs would just be, like, so short. And like you said, lyrics would just be so just illustrating what's happening. Like, the most egregious one was, like, we're traveling around the world. Oh, we're traveling yes, around the world. That, like, I, was I say, know. You know what pissed me off, too? <laughs> this was such a missed opportunity because they, they were like, in Paris, we love Annette. In Cuba, we love it. And, like, you couldn't even say it in different languages. Right. Like, how easy would that be to just say it in different languages? And that would have at least made it slightly more interesting. Um, but, okay, so, so the plot at the beginning is essentially – this opera singer and this edgy stand-up comedian are in love. They're so in love. They love each other so much. They love each other so much. They have really <laughs> graphic sex. Didn't you hear them? Sex. They said we love each other so yes. much. <laughs> they, they have really graphic and depressing-looking sex. Yes. <laughs> um, and and then um, and there's an implication that her accompanist is in love with her, although we never see them interact. Yeah, okay. We never so see them. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and we, we only get it, like, through what he says uh, afterwards. Uh, when when he's kind of going through his moment where he says like, oh, we met right before she got with him and so we hooked up but then, like, you know, they got together and got married so quickly so, mm, whose baby is that really? You know, right. it's like that's the sort of conceit. Right, but, um, but so what happens is um, there's this number called Six Women Have Come Forward. Yes. And there's, the number is these six women have come forward and they, we just see All them the in sort of like, story. and and we just kind of, yeah, the lyrics are six women have come forward all with a similar story. And it's this very generic. Henry is angry. Henry is abusive. And it's, um and the, and we only see them in this sort of almost like press conference, like environment. Yeah. And 
so it's like, okay, so these six women have come forward all saying Henry is abusive. And there's there's no specificity to these women. There's yeah, no, there's no pers- they they yeah. literally they're they just seem like a Greek chorus of avenging angry women, like avenging furies. And then Marion Cotillard, so here's the thing. Marion Cotillard this whole time is like, we're so in love, we're so in love. There has been no indication that he is violent or abusive towards her. Um, Just that he's an edgy boy comedian. Right, and so here's the thing. Here's an interesting story. I'm so happy with my partner. He treats me really well. Oh, my God, all these women have said he's abused them. How do I reckon with that when he's so good to me? That's an interesting conflict. That's Mm. an interesting thing. But instead... Instead of seeing her like having to struggle with that or anything, it's just sort of those women are treated as just sort of like generic foreshadowing towards because she's also we see her kind of moping around going something doesn't seem right, but I can't put my finger on it. Something seems wrong, but I'm not sure what I'm so happy. And it's like just very vague. And then all of a sudden what happens is they have this baby who's a creepy wooden puppet. Yeah. Um, They have this creepy wooden puppet baby and she starts getting super famous and he starts being a stay at home dad and his comedy career is declining and he resents her. And then he's drinking a lot. And then we see him get kind of, you know, drunk and semi intentionally violent with her. But it's like what, what it really, here's the thing. Those, the six women have come forward could have not been there because if the story is this woman seems to be happy but she feels like something isn't quite right and there's some kind of red flags but maybe she's ignoring them and then they start getting worse and worse and he starts getting abusive and she should have seen the signs earlier she feels like she should have but she didn't whatever that's a story she's perfectly happy he treats her really well but these other women have said he's abusive that's a story Either one of those two would have been an interesting path to take, but instead you've got these six women who've come forward and said he's abusive, and then Marion Cotillard's character just... Oh, by the way, her name is Anne. She's the mother of Annette, and she's Anne. So Annette is mini Anne. It's kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, on the nose. Um, But Anne doesn't... doesn't Anne does not seem to react or grapple with the accusations at all. And And it doesn't seem to have any effect on him either other than that like maybe that's part of his career declining but his career could have been declining because he's a stay-at-home dad or because he's just not that funny you know or like any number of reasons and so it really made me angry that basically they were sort of gesturing at the me too movement to be like oh these women are coming forward with allegations of abuse but by treating it as this sort of inconsequential not even a plot point that that ends up going nowhere. It's just a foreshadowing women, thing. Yeah, it's just, and and so those women actually get dehumanized by the story because they're not. They don't come off as people. They don't come off as victims. They come off as this force of angry femaleness that is taking this man down, which I'm pretty sure is not what the writer was intending. I'm pretty sure Sure. that they were not trying to put these women in as these angry women are ruining this man's career. And yet that's what it comes. That's what it comes off as because they're dehumanized by the way the story treats them. And and I thought that was really shitty. And also, again, yeah, like you said, oh, do you want a cookie for like kind of referencing me too, but not mm-hmm. actually? You're not actually struggling with the complexity. Right, and of and then situation. Anne also, 
and also like literally she kind of she's like i'm so in love i'm so in love she mopes around going something seems not quite right but i don't know what and then yeah, henry yeah oh, go on and then henry sort of accidentally kills her and yeah, then yeah. The, and then she turns into an angry avenging ghost and haunts him because she's and it's like so literally like feminine like like i i'm sorry you cannot have a story that's about guy has a hard time and fucks up accidentally and then this angry woman ruins his life and and pretend that you're being feminist like that's like mm. the oldest fucking story of mm. angry women or like demons and they'll ruin your life like that's that's just the oldest fucking story in the book and, and you can't pretend you're doing something feminist and it ultimately makes it all about him and his journey yeah yeah right it is it's all like it's literally it's all about him and it's yeah so and that's not even getting into the fucking singing wooden baby. None of all of that. All of that before we get to the fucking singing wooden baby. And I will say also, like, I actually don't hate the decision to make it a puppet. Right, right. Like, because uh, yeah, at first I was like, wait, what? I had to have a rewind moment. I was like, wait, because there was a point where she was like swinging the baby around really fast. I was like, wait, they're doing that to a bit. Hold on. And I like back up, I was like, Oh yeah, what the heck is that? Like, what's going on with this thing? Yeah, but then like, I had that moment of I've... like, hmm. You, but you can do so much more if it's not a real baby. And the fact that the movie is so actively trying to be fourth wall breaking surrealist about it, like that actually kind of fits with the aesthetic of what they're going for, right? Right, and especially because it's like the baby is, you know, sort of supernatural. It actually kind of draws yeah. on. Uh, there's, I, I, I haven't seen anything about this, but there's an Edgar Allan Poe story called Morella that, um, that is about a, a baby that sort of it, like is its dead mother reincarnated, and and it kind of reminded me of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, the the wooden puppet thing, I don't think was a bad decision. I think that at the end, um. And by the way, we're spoiling the hell out of this as always. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> if you give a yeah, shit at this point. <laughs> at, at the end, the baby, the, the little girl visits her father in prison as a puppet. And then he's talking to the puppet. And then the puppet just kind of goes still. And then we see the actual little girl, yeah. like the human little girl, who looks just like the puppet coming in at the doorway. And it's like... I kind of wish that it had just been that, like, the puppet was gone and the girl was sitting there. I felt like it was. Yeah, I, I, like... I had forgotten that that had ha that, that that scene uh, that it that quick thing happened. It's like, no, you should have just made it be like, now this is her having agency talking back to him. Like that right. should have just been what but, it was. Yeah. But then also like that scene, like that should have been like two lines, and instead it turns into like a ten minute scene yeah. of the puppet sitting there. The puppet is sitting there and this girl, this like five year old girl is singing this like and it's like, OK, if the point is that she's no longer this eldritch, haunted, creepy, like older than her years baby. And now she's a, like a more normal kid. Maybe don't have her singing lyrics like, oh, God, I can't. Oh, and give me give me two seconds. I got to look this up because can I forgive um, but not forget Simbi. <laughs> Yeah, like the the lyrics they have this like five year old singing is, um, oh god. There's also like I will never sing again. I'll be a vampire all my life. Uh, like, I'll be a vampire. A, forever. a vampire forever. Which I'm like, I gotta know is is um that doesn't mean anything. Sparks, <laughs> Sparks is American. 
they're American. Oh, and I thought they were French I, or something. <laughs> no, but it comes off like that Europop thing of like they don't fully understand how English works. Right, like, right. But yeah, like, can I forgive what you have done? Her deadly poison I became merely a child to exploit. I'll take that oath. The horrid urge to look below. Like, like I'm sorry. If your whole point is, hey, this like weird little puppet that you had performing for you, no, she's a human child. Maybe you don't have her still behaving like a puppet speaking with an adult's voice. Because... Mm. Like the and it and it just goes on for way too long. Yeah. It goes on for way too long. It's emotionally like, and I'm not criticizing it, it's this five year old. Yeah, and I think she did. Yeah, that kid did a good yeah. job. Like this, I believe this is a it. child. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm. Not, I think the kid did. You know, again, like the rest of the cast, this kid did a perfectly <clears throat> good job with what she was given. I'm not criticizing this child at all, but she. You know, she, because of the lyrics that she's given and the way she's directed, she comes off still like a creepy older than her years, you know, type sure, yeah. adult in a child's body, which I feel yeah. like completely belies the, the yeah, point right. of her transform. I remember at the beginning of the scene, at first she is acting like a child where she's just like, I don't really know if I should, you know, say anything. She's kind of mm -hmm. like being a little like standoffish but then yeah she just launches into the singing and i'm like oh, okay i guess she isn't that character like yeah 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 so I, yeah i i just i i hate almost everything <laughs> about this so I, uh, let's talk about the, <laughs> the the actual scene of the of when the death happens right because it's like yeah it turns out yeah it technically wasn't his fault he just allowed her to die because mm -hmm. like like right he doesn't he's, push he's her being yeah, but he's being right, he, belligerent he about being, how he's dancing with her in the storm. Right, he's yeah. being belligerent and abusive, but he doesn't kill her on purpose, but it is kind of still his fault. But yeah. then um like manslaughter you would probably say. Right, manslaughter. Like and then he and then he murders somebody later and the way that that ha like the whole thing with he murders the he murders Simon Helberg's character in his backyard. Yeah, it's very stage acty with how it's just like he's just handling him around for a couple of minutes, and it's like, okay, someone would fight back a little stronger than this. Yeah, <laughs> but but also just it's like, okay, so you murdered a pretty prominent dude that you work with in your backyard. How is it that the thing that gets him arrested is the kid saying daddy kills people? Like, how is that what got him under investigation? And then the other thing was like, so. You might, you know, you're more of a music person than I am, so you might be able to kind of articulate what I, I'm not able to exactly here. Mm. But the number after he gets arrested, it's actually one of the better numbers musically, but everybody's yeah. singing at him like, you're a murderer, Henry. We hate you, Henry. Yeah. The music in it just, it felt off, and it felt like, now here's the thing. You can have sort of upbeat, cheerful-sounding music that is about grim you know, grim stuff. Like one of my favorite numbers in Assassins. Oh, there's a great Sondheim musical. <laughs> yeah, by the way, uh, as we're recording this, Stephen Sondheim, uh, yeah. may his memory be for a blessing, has died recently. Um, yeah, Assassins. I fucking love Assassins. Um, in Assassins, you know, you've got like, uh, I am going to my lordy, as the guy's like about to get hanged. You know, mm -hmm. you, you can have stuff like that. But something about the way this music sounded just felt like it just felt like it just didn't work. Like it, didn't said, it feels like a musical anything. for people who don't know musicals. And so it's just like, well, uh, this is what we do in a musical. They just say what they do. Like, and it's like, well, specifically <laughs> this number that I'm talking about where people are singing at him um, after he gets arrested. Uh, 
the wait a second did Sondheim not am I wrong did Sondheim not have anything to do with assassins I thought Sondheim had something I thought hold on assassins musical Sondheim no okay I'm sorry the music and lyrics were were, never mind you can completely ignore that it was somebody else wrote the book (laughs) anyway so it's a specific number where it's like the music just sounds like the Wells Fargo wagon from Music Man and it's like it doesn't (laughs) You know, and and here's the thing. I can't articulate exactly what's wrong with it because I could see there being a number where it's like, fuck you, you murderer. We all hate you. And everybody's very talent, like very like cheerful and upbeat and gleeful. And that being and that feeling like a commentary on like the media circus around murderers and being like really great. And yet somehow the way this was upbeat just didn't it didn't feel like an intentional clash. Mm -hmm. It just felt wrong. It just felt disconnected yeah yeah and i i don't know exactly why it didn't sound like you know like that sort of intentional like the way that the um the the ghetto sound uh the the um bleh the um Oh my goodness, I can't talk anymore. <laughs> uh the way that uh the way that Charlie Gato um the way that Charlie Gateau's number sounds in Assassins, I don't know why it, it doesn't quite work, but it doesn't. Mm. By right. the way, I would if, if anybody's ever doing Assassins and I get a chance to play Charlie Gateau, I would love to. <laughs> uh, I would love to play just about any character in Assassins. Uh, it's it's a great musical. But anyway. Yeah, like like I said about the comedy where he does like, oh, I killed my wife. Uh, and, and this is before it actually happens, right? Like I killed her by tickling her to death, and I'm like, what oh is yeah, when the, he's when he's he dying on stage, say? yeah, like what is when, this? That whole bit was painful because it felt like it didn't feel like a comedian bombing. It didn't feel like a comedian who's like kind of lost his thread and he's dying on stage. Yeah. What it felt like was a theater monologue in the worst possible way. Like it felt. <laughs> It felt like a pretentious theater monologue because, and and again, Adam Driver doing his absolute damnedest. I don't blame him, but he was, you know, like he was so controlled in it. Like the thing is, if I'm seeing like this comedian and he's kind of losing his way and he's losing his, his edge and he's, and he's dying on stage and he's saying something that's not working and everybody's like, boo, Henry. The other thing is like, what is this audience doing? Like, are they fans of his? They all seem to talk like they know him or like they're fans. And yet they are like, that's in poor taste. You offensive comedian. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like in the first part, he makes, you know joke about you know the jews and all that sort of thing and then later on he like oh, in this no, no, part, he, he just like oh I, for- it's like getting a blowjob in the in the uh, I, like, gas chamber or something oh, like that no no no. but dude dude i forgot about that thank you for reminding me this was another thing that was infuriating that like and everybody hates the jews you know what that is that's a tom lehrer song that he just straight up just, sang a verse from a tom lehrer song they just stole that just bit he just told, like, literally, hold on. Uh, I'm going to look that up. Uh, oh, wait, <laughs> oh my it? God. I was just looking at this one lyric where, where uh, you know, just speaking of on the National notes. Brotherhood Week. Yeah. National Brotherhood Week. Mm. Literally, hold on. Oh, I didn't mean to start playing that on YouTube. Okay. Hang on. Dude, oh, oh, the Protestants hate the Catholics, and the Catholics hate the Protestants, yeah. and the Hindus hate the Muslims, and everybody hates the Jews. That is a Tom Lehrer song. They just you can't, it. 
you cannot you cannot have a, like if a real stand-up comedian did that if a real stand-up comedian yeah. got on stage and sang a verse from a Tom Lehrer song they would be fucking booed off stage for like that's that They'd is be the, the next Dane Cook like <laughs> it's blatant joke theft it's yeah. just it's not it's like you can't Oh my God! Yeah, I forgot about that. That was so bad. That was so bad. Um, oh my God! I was just looking at this one lyric where he just goes, w "When everything's going downhill for him, he's just like, what goes up must come down. My stars in decline.' It's like, oh my God! Like I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 awful. And he, like, so oh, but but about that bit where it's the second comedy act we see and he's kind of dying. It's like he was the way that he was performing that and again not criticizing adam driver here because this was clearly directed and written this way he's mm. performing it like this very controlled choreographed monologue yeah, he like doesn't seem like show, somebody yeah. he doesn't seem like somebody who's losing it he seems like somebody who's doing a poorly considered performance art piece yeah and no it's just because what is the jokes like what is it supposed to be that i tickled my wife to death like but then he actually gets angry at the audience. Like, it's not like a, you know, like, oh, they're just not getting my material. Like, no, it seems like he, like, I don't, does he want, like, did he want them to enjoy it? Did he not? I don't know. Like, like that's the thing, too, is the character, I, it almost felt like, um, okay, so there is an episode of Law & Order SVU, and this was like, Law & Order SVU started going really downhill, at a certain point and there was an episode that happened so do you remember um there was, I f i'm having deja vu right now i feel like i've Justin talked Bieber. about it no hold on no no no. like okay i'm having deja vu because i feel like i've talked about it on this podcast before i feel like and if anybody's listening it's like motherfucker you've said this before we've been doing this podcast for like three years now oh and God, i'm sure i've repeated dude. myself dude i know um like literally we've been doing this podcast longer than i've lived in my house um <laughs> but um so there so years ago um Todd what's his face not Todd um In the shadows? No 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 <laughs> uh no Todd Point Todd Pointo what's his name that guy you know what I'm talking Ta about Tosh Pointo Tosh Daniel I wanted to say Tosh. Todd and I was like his name is Daniel Tosh thank oh. you So <laughs> Daniel so Daniel Tosh started telling a joke where he said something like you know what's really funny gang rape and that wasn't the joke it was yeah. a setup for a joke yeah, yeah. and some woman in the audience stood up and said actually no rape's not funny which right. like you know on the one like i'm generally like don't fucking heckle yeah don't don't just don't fucking heckle like if like, you if a comedian says a shitty offensive joke, you can leave. Right. You can you write an angry get, blog like, post right. about it later. Yeah, you yeah. You can tweet about sure. it. But don't fucking you're, heckle like, because you're gonna be a part of his act now. But I do also feel that the way he like tried to recover was really well, bad. So here's he, like, yeah, because right? like, what he recovered. So what I will say is that Daniel Tosh has always told garden path jokes and uh, you know what's really funny gang rape is a setup right because it's like oh, oh where's he going with this it's, like this, right this and it's, it's offensive but it's like next. you yeah. went to a tosh show anyway yeah anyway so daniel tosh but then the way he responded to that which was shitty and it was he started saying stuff like oh this bitch should get gang raped yeah, or something right now wouldn't that be funny right like, uh. which was not funny 
a really poor and unprofessional response to heckling. Like I've seen amateur comedians respond to heckling so much better. Yeah. It's and, a terrible response to heckling. Yeah. And when it was someone's shitty good, you know, like it's just like so, with the rest of the material. It's about yeah. doing it well. So, yeah. r- right, right. But you know, in any case, Tosh, I, there's no reason to think Daniel Tosh is or was a rapist. He was a comedian who handled a heckling really, really badly and said something really awful that he shouldn't have. But there's no reason to think he's a rapist. And Law & Order SVU, like, a week after that happened, because, of course, they had to grab the headline, oh. they um, they had a, a story point about a comedian who tells those rape jokes. And literally, like, literally, I think Olivia Benson had the line... Is he one of those rape comedians? Or one of those rape, like that's a genre of oh my comic, God. Oh, is, you know, was, the was, rape joke comics. Well, was like Ice T there to be like, so you're telling me he tells jokes about raping people, and it doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's like, and then and then he rapes somebody, and then the comedian in Law and Order rapes somebody because obviously we can't have a nuanced discussion about like, hey, people can be shitty. And and say shitty, horrible things and be bad without also literally being violent rapists. Like, yeah. it's actually possible for somebody to be a shitty, bad person. And we could talk about why they're shitty and bad and they did a bad thing without them doing the worst possible thing. Right, right. Um, so all of that is to say that my computer's making noise at me, so I'm going to repeat that. <laughs> so all of that is to say that the way that Henry McHenry is characterized feels like the Daniel Tosh corollary in that Law and Order episode. Like he he seems to be it's like the it's like the people who wrote this were like they were like, oh, everybody's talking about the Me Too movement and women getting assaulted and harassed. And also these comedians are being offensive and and mm. these men are angry and and they just kind of stuck all that together in a ball. And yeah. then the characterized, there's like, you know who seems to be shitty and everybody's mad at? Stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians are bad, so and, right. and they probably hit women. Like, right. it just, <laughs> yeah, what, shut the fuck up, up computer. Yeah. Sorry, my computer keeps dinging. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, and it's like, That's how it comes and it's frustrating soon, because yeah. it's like, I think, you know, uh, like, I think, Toxic, like toxic masculinity, rape culture, you know, irresponsible comedy, angry male comedians, uh, you know, women being assaulted and abused. Like all of that is stuff worth talking about. I'm not saying like, oh, you shouldn't have put that in there, Who, you know, but I'm saying like if you're going to talk about this stuff, you need to like. I f- it just it felt very glee esque. It didn't feel like the writers were like because the actual like the story again the plot of the 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 plot of this is man accidentally kills wife and in an avenging fury she haunts their baby to torture him. That is the plot. The plot could have been like literally the plot. Literally, the plot of this movie could have been written in, like, the 1400s. (laughs) It could have been written in the 1400s. If you told me that this was based plot point for plot point on something that was written in the Renaissance, I would believe you with no problem. And, And I just feel like the they they had they were like, we want to make a musical about 
you know, like this operatic love story musical and, oh yeah, we should throw in some stuff about male violence on women, but without actually caring about it at all. Like it just, like none of this feels like the writers have actually thought deeply about domestic abuse or about like any any like it just it all feels so flip and surface level and it's like mm. if you want to make a, a fluffy cheesy like heck if you want to make a melodramatic musical yeah, see, that's what they're going for. Yeah, love, melodramatic yeah like you can do an over-the-top melodramatic musical about murder and love and vengeance do that don't try to fucking make it about real issues that people are grappling with right mm. now because then it's just insulting mm. and i think that's what it comes down to me it's it pisses me off for the same reason those Glee very special episodes piss me off is like if you want to do camp if you want to do melodrama that's great if you want to tackle with real important issues great don't do both at the same time mm. just fucking don't yeah. dude Ugh. I'm sorry. Like this has just been. I, I like literally. I'm I'm starting to go hoarse because I've now been. I think ranting for 45 minutes straight. 40 mi- 44 minutes and 30 seconds. I've been ranting. But 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 I just yeah. It, it, it's just like everything other than the three lead actors. And and again, it's like you told me like I was excited to watch this movie until I got five minutes into it. I was like, Hey, I like Adam driver. I like Mary Cotillard. I like Simon Helberg. Oh, it's about a, it's about a standup comedian and an opera singer and, and they have, and they're in love and then their relationship goes south and it's, and it's a musical. That's super fucking cool. And also like so many missed opportunities because like, also, okay, so Bo Burnham, I think, has conclusively mm. proven that you can do musical stand-up comedy. Ooh. You can do musical numbers that are stand-up yes. comedy, and they can be funny. Bo Burnham, so why yes, are you genius. Right. So the fact that the... The fact that the like every number in this, the lyrics felt like placeholder lyrics or yeah. like it, it felt like it was sort of indicating like we're not going to actually write love lyrics. We're just going to indicate that this is a love song. I'm not going to write anything funny. I'm just going to indicate that this is supposed to be a stand up act. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And it, it just felt yeah. fucking lazy. So much of this was fucking lazy and like that laziness makes me so fucking mad. I'm like, I'm the fucking devil bot. I'm Satan bot in, in Futurama. <laughs> that makes me angry because there are so fucking many talented, hardworking people with no money busting their asses out there making tiny little indie projects in film and theater and music. And these motherfuckers had a budget of, I assume, millions of dollars. Yeah. And, and, and they did this shit with it. It's like, I'm sorry. You couldn't, like, literally, literally every fucking song in this feels like a first draft. Yeah. Both, both musically and lyrically. And I feel like if you had a couple of talented musicians, talented musicians, not Sparks, mm-hmm. get together and improvise the entire oh, yeah. thing. Like, literally, if you had given, like, two moderately talented musicians a guitar and a keyboard and set them down and given them just, like, the plot points and told them to improvise every song, it would have been better 
than this yeah, first yeah. draft lazy fucking bullshit <laughs> that these two assholes yeah. were paid millions of fucking dollars to shit out. How the fuck dare they? How the fuck dare they waste that resource and that talent and that attention? Like, oh my God, like, fuck Sparks. Fuck you guys. <laughs> fuck you fucking assholes. Like, yeah. I'm, like, I am, I am... As angry as Henry McHenry pretends to be on stage. <laughs> like, that is, like, I just... Drawing a line in the sand right now. You're either with Sparks or with us. <laughs> it is... I mean, it's like, okay, you know how... You know the feeling when you have friends who are really good artists and they can draw an amazing picture that just looks really, really cool and they're begging for like $10 commissions on DeviantArt yeah. and then you see some shitty little fucking millionaire trust fund kid mm -hmm. who slaps a fucking, you know, splash of paint on a canvas or even better yet, pays somebody else to splash paint on a canvas for them and then makes millions of dollars in the fine art oh, world because oh, it's a it's, fucking it's racket. it's postmodern because they're making a music about the lyrics of a musical <laughs> like <laughs> right it's that that's the thing it's so it's so infuriating because as somebody with dozens of insanely talented utterly broke friends <laughs> every right. time i see some fucking turd like this every time i see some fucking turd like this that is paying out millions of dollars to these fucking assholes i think of my friends who are sitting in their rented rooms or their secondhand cars <laughs> and busting their asses making amazing Jeez, hilarious songs about futurama <laughs> <laughs> no but like oh, i appreciate it bro no i like <laughs> no seriously man like you like you are literally one of the people i'm thinking about you are one of the people i'm thinking about you and many of my other friends who like are making less money like who are making less money at their art than they would if they were working at mcdonald's right and 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 struggling and it's just like god damn it like anybody who tells you that any fucking thing but especially the arts are a meritocracy <laughs> no <laughs> No, I mean, I feel like anybody who's over the age of 16 should know better and right. realize we nothing is a meritocracy. Oh, like, sure. meritocracies just don't fucking exist. Yeah, that was just a but, lie to keep poor people obedient. <laughs> but this shit, I just, I, I feel like I, I'm just getting myself so worked up and I need a drink <laughs> let, yeah, and I let, don't have let, one. Let me go into the, uh, Leah, this uh, is one of the plot points. One of, one of the things I actually did enjoy, again, it's still like self-referential. Look, I'm just saying what's happening. But the scene where, uh, well, this is my note, the dude from the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> when Sim he, yeah, Simon Hubbard. Yeah, when he just like looks like the unshaven conductor who's just like stressed out and trying to like get the band together. Like as someone who is who's you know been under under you know the uh, like has worked with like conductors. You know what I'm saying? Who like come in and just like all right, I've been working all night trying to get this together. So great. Like I so felt his energy, and I think he, he actually is a musician, right? Because he kept doing stuff that was just like, oh wait, he's actually playing that piano. Oh wait, he's actually. I, like, I think doing he that might thing. be. I don't. I don't know much, but yeah, I mean, he was good. Like the actors 
were good. Yeah, they were like, good. Uh, the, I mean, par- the part where he like, I especially love where he's like, again, he's just kind of like po- pointing out the thing. He's like, you know, I have my suspicions about what happened with Anne and Annette, and uh, but like, I did love how when you would see him getting like well up emotionally, and then when he would go, like, excuse me, and then this guy does the music where like it builds up and like you know he's allowed to like conduct for a minute. Like, I really enjoyed that character moment of him like yeah. illustrating what his pain is, and then just like oh, I have to stop, and then like allowing the music to sort of say the pain for him like i thought that was a genuinely good moment mm-hmm. um yeah like like i mean almost all of the good moments in this as few as they are are down to the actors being good actors and trying their hardest despite the material yeah. and then the the one like even with the visuals like i like the pool that Marion Cotillard's swimming in and then she has like a mermaid vanity at the end of the pool with an apple and like that was a cool pool Hmm. and then she's like on stage at one point in this like abstract forest of white pillars and then she goes upstage 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 until she gets into like an actual forest and it's a sort of dream logic but you can still see the audience that was a cool image but but yeah I mean like that's the thing is like the the stuff that makes me angry is all down to the writing of the script and the book and the composition. Yeah. The, okay. the music, the lyrics, the script. That's what makes me mad. Yeah. It's just... And, and I'll give a... Like, this is, I'm playing the, the good cop over here trying to be like, hey, but you know, there's some good stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, another part that I like, especially was the motif with Adam Driver where he keeps saying the there's so little I can do, there's so little I can do. Like, that was one of the genuine moments of, like, good writing where he's saying, like, because while she's uh, I think it's like it's it's before she dies and then right after she dies he sings that like there's so little I can do and then it's like the sort of like him you know making an excuse for why he can't help her right like there's so little I can do yeah. but then also I, I admitting like there was to almost own, a cohesive yeah but it's like, also him admitting there, to his own like loserness right like he's not that good like there's so little yeah, I can there, do there were, you know? there were hints of him almost being a cohesive character but then there was stuff where it just felt like like near the end when he's on trial for murder and this just felt so this felt like something in a play that was written by a middle school teacher for a sixth grade class to do <laughs> where the the, I guess she's supposed to be the court stenographer yeah, what, or the bailiff is, or something. Yeah, like the person who would be telling like, you to take the oath wouldn't be sitting on the stage like, themselves. Yeah, there was that. Yeah, oh yeah, that was like weird staging. I didn't even think yeah, of that. That, but yeah, like, there, yeah, and she was like, "Do you tell the truth to help you go?" <laughs> yeah, she's supposed to be like about? sneezing. I think she's supposed to be sneezing, and then he like snarkily says something like, "You remind me of my mother." Yeah, I didn't and get it's that. just. It was just so stupid. It's like, that's like, is that supposed to be funny? Am I supposed to be laughing that this person has a cold? Is that supposed to be a joke? Like, that just felt like the kind of thing that, like, a sixth grade play would be like, they're sneezing a lot. Isn't that funny? It's like, why is that supposed to be, you know? a weird quirk. Like, yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, like, the... The cast is talented and and the visuals like that. I can see why like the cinematography that staging was weird. Yeah, you're right. Like that staging was weird and bad. But like a lot of the a lot of the design is really beautiful. And that also that's just what again, if this was like some shitty little like no budget indie film, I'd just be like, oh, this is a shitty little film. But the reason it makes me mad is that there were so many talented, hardworking people and so much money that went into this. And it just 
feels like, and it, and it, it, I like do how the, dare you yeah. disrespect that? And it, and they don't deserve it. Yeah, they don't I, deserve it. And Sparks. I, do, I do get that feeling that like when you see the, the the interestingness of the sets or the surrealness of the sets, like that does feel like it's supposed to be like like this is a movie making like this is a movie first and a musical second, right? Where it's like. Oh, but don't you see the majesty of the? And this is the gravitas that is supposed to make you respect the really obvious on the nose music. You know, like that makes it okay because look how epic it looks. You know, like I, I want just even if this were like, yeah, I don't know. It's like I want, I want every, I want. I'm, I'm not gonna say anything that could make me criminally liable for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you can cut this out, but I was like, I want, to be I want their fucking heads <laughs> on pikes. Um, it's Hanukkah. I'm spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I like. Um, I, I am. I am full of approximately one pint of oil, and I'm spicy. <laughs> um, but. But, uh, you know, I want Sparks to just go sit in their rooms and think about what they've done. <laughs> and I want everybody else who worked on this movie to be ferried away and 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 to have them given a really good script and really good music by a real like I want the ghost of Stephen Sondheim to rewrite <laughs> this musical yes. and have it remade with the same cast and creative team but with a good script and book. That's what I would love to see. I would love to see that, you know? Yeah. Because sure. I kept thinking, like, oh, like this, like, you know, sort of cute little nebbish who's unrequitedly in love with the big opera star. And then sure. this kind of like, you know. And like, he's, the, he's, her, uh, he's her uh, accompanist, you know, so there's also that right. sense of and like, then, and oh, the, you know, yeah. and the comedian who's like, his star's on the wane because, you know, his shtick is wearing out or whatever. Like, there's so much potential there. That was totally shit on. Yeah, um, I I did kind of enjoy the the staging of the scene where uh, she starts singing in the courtroom and he's trying to find her and like you see the little part where she's like reflected somewhere and he goes towards that and kind of like you know is confused and taken aback. Like I at least like that staging and how that played out and the the harmonies was actually kind of fun on that one. Mm. I, I did enjoy that part. Um, yeah, they, there were a few moments here and there where I was like, oh, this this almost sounds like an actual music. Right, yeah, you get moments where it's like, oh, that was a cool harmony. And then we're back to... He's always coming in and, and saying <laughs> hi. Yeah, you know. um, let me see. And then, yeah, like, what, what, what happens? It's the part, oh, yeah, the part. So this, this musical is apparently so obvious that I actually called it at one point where, uh, like, there's a part where she goes, uh, where she's like, okay, you know, we're going to do one last show. You know, you won't have to do this anymore. You're just going to do one last show. And it's at the, the, the Super Bowl. Uh, come see the singing oh, they baby. they call it the Hyper Bowl. Yeah. The Hyper Bowl where a literal baby is standing on top of a magically levitating yeah. and they, like, prism with no guardrails. Like, they float her in. Which is like, that seems like that's not, a, like, for an actual baby, that seems like that would be a bad idea. Like, to bring a baby yeah, in on I a mean, bunch of strings and shit. <laughs> again, like, one thing I didn't hate was the decision to make it a wooden puppet, partly for because, sure. so this is a thing about me, and I, like, I hope that by sharing this vulnerability, People don't use this against us when they make requests. Um, as a parent, I really like, so my big, you know, okay, by the way, if you haven't heard of it, there's a really great website called Does the Dog Die? 
<laughs> DoesTheDogDie.com. And it's basically like if there's anything that you do not want to see in a movie, right. you can look up the movie and it will tell you what happens in the movie. It's like a list of things that people may not want to see. And, um, and the one thing for me, like I can handle a lot. I, I can handle a lot of fucked up shit. I've read the Toy Box Killer transcripts, which don't do. Yeah. Don't do that. But I've read them. Don't do that with your Didn't life. Didn't fuck up my life. What does fuck up my life is anything to do with kids. I cannot I, stand. I feel you on that, right? Where you're just like, like ah, yeah, oh, is that kid being treated okay? Is everything all right with that kid? <laughs> like, right. You know? Like, I, I, any, anything that has to do with a, a kid being, like, hurt or put in danger or, I, I can't stand that. So, I was really glad that with this being a wooden puppet, like it took away. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, that... I, was, I was kind of like able to enjoy that metaphor of the fact that he's using this child like a puppet. Right. Like that's kind of what. Right. Right. To. So, it, yeah, I mean, it, it was sense. corny, but it was like, yeah. I mean, for me, just again, for purely personal reasons, I was glad that I wasn't watching an actual <laughs> child in the middle yeah, of this. Being I don't around. like seeing kids at all. In, in like TV and stuff, it's like I don't want because sure. then I'm just thinking about like the actor and are they okay? You know, it's yeah, just, yeah. No, I don't, I don't, uh. yeah. I, I, I wasn't like I didn't think the wooden puppet thing was brilliant or anything, but I was mm. just personally glad for it because right. I would have been even more upset if I was having to look at an actual child for yeah, most of this, yeah. But and then and, the, and I thought the actual child was on screen for too long, I thought she should have only been on screen for like two lines, oh, for sure. But you know, it was probably the thing of like. Well, we had to, if we're paying to get this kid, we're gonna get the most we can get out of this kid. You know? Yeah, it was it was weird, and and I will say also like they did a good job making the puppet look like the actual kid. That's yeah, there. I um, have nice things to say, but but uh, th this is the part that I had actually called. So they said, yeah, this is gonna be her final show, and it was like she gets on, you know, she gets on the stage, and she kind of like you know blocks her face or something like that, where she looks like she's really shy, and you know the uh, announcer's like, hey, you know, she is a baby, so let's give her some time, you know, and they strike up the music in and try to get her to sing and like literally 10 seconds before she said the line i said man you know she should probably say like guys my dad's a killer stop him and then literally the next thing she says is daddy killed people oh wow <laughs> I, I don't know if i would have predicted it because i actually so again what happened was uh my wife and i started to watch it got 40 minutes in gave up and my wife was like fuck this i'm not watching anymore and i was like well, i'm not watching anymore tonight and then i was stealing myself i was like okay i got to do this i got i was like i literally had to like talk myself into it and i think i watched it i watched it after thanksgiving no you know what it was was i watched it wednesday night because i remember this like i watched it and then i stayed up all night Partly because I had to like cook for Thanksgiving, but also because I was so wound up with how angry I was. So I was like, stayed up all night and did my Thanksgiving cooking, and and then also like watched um watched that uh, Tammy Faye biopic, the Tammy Faye Baker biopic, which was very enjoyable. Although the prosthetic cheeks were a little distracting, but otherwise very enjoyable. So, so there's a nice movie to watch is the eyes of Tammy Faye. That's a, that's a good movie. Andrew Garfield and Jessica Chastain in prosthetic cheeks. Very nice. Um, Oh my so, God. I was wondering if it was like, wait, is that who I'm thinking it is? I'm like, Oh snap. The, uh, like the, the tele, yeah. I'm a, yeah, yeah. So Tammy, Faye, that was interesting because I hadn't, this is a total tangent, but like, I had known that Tammy Faye was a gay icon, 
But what I didn't realize, because I didn't know that much about her, and like, um, you know, there there is a certain tendency with some young gays to make people into gay icons just because they like their aesthetic and not because Mm. like for example Katy perry is Mm. for some reason considered a gay icon by some people even though she literally has written multiple homophobic songs and never apologized for that or expressed any regret so i thought tammy faye was like oh you just like this cheesy televangelist because she's got lots of makeup or whatever but no this woman who was literally like her job? She was a televangelist in doing like Christian shit. in yeah. like Christian broadcasting, and had an AIDS patient on her show and saying God loves homosexuals on Christian broadcasting TV in the eighties. This woman was amazing. So oh, wow. yeah, so t- no, Tammy Faye Baker was amazing and absolutely deserves to be a gay icon. And the movie's enjoyable. And was a nice palate cleanser. And in between those two, because again, I was up all night, I binge watched Dark Slash Web, the Amazon series Dark Slash Web, which is uh, not amazing, but I enjoyed, especially after Annette. It was like, you know, it was like the opposite of a tough act to follow. It was right. like, I, I'm not going to criticize anything <laughs> else after I watch this. Yeah. Anything hey, this, will this, be this, good. Hey, at least they're making I will watch The Room well. after this and find merit. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, what was it? Uh, hmm. Now, I, I did enjoy, actually, how when uh, the girl sings the melody, the melody of We Love Each Other So Much to him to her saying, now you have nothing to love. Like, again, like, little musical moments I kind of enjoy like that. And I actually did really enjoy the last minute where uh, Adam Driver gets a character moment of, like, you know, the kid's taken away and, you know, he's got nothing now and... He's just saying, like, don't look into the abyss. That's, like, his final words to her. And then you get this, like, Dutch angle of of the film as he just, like, turns around. And you can see him, like, he, like, actually looks into the camera for a second and then turns and goes, like, stop watching me. And then just, like, walks over and just, like, puts his head up against the wall. Like, I I enjoyed that moment of, like, the character being so, you know, self-hating and loathing of himself where he's just, like, points to you and just is, like, go away. Stop looking at my shame. Yeah. You know, I thought that was like I, interesting enough. I just, man, I I can't get over the fact that they had a stand-up comedian character get on stage <laughs> and just sing a verse from a Tom Lehrer song that, that, and not that have the next me, scene be and not have the next scene be somebody going, that fucker's a hack. He just got on yeah. stage and sang a verse from a Tom Lehrer right, song. Right, right. Yeah, why didn't that happen? <laughs> oh, but because, like, see, this is the thing, though. I think it's like, because I, I was hearing something about, like, oh, they make lots of references to things. They're references to things. And it's like, and That's I think, not a reference. Yeah, it's I, not a reference if you just directly sing an entire verse. Yeah, but it's like that thing where it's like people give it those points because it's referencing it. It's basically the musical version of, like, you know, Star Wars. Like, oh, look, look, we're showing you the Millennium Falcon. Oh, look, we're doing the bleeps and the bloops. Yeah, like, don't. <laughs> I Seriously, creators, especially creators with way too much money, need to stop being given credit for the laziest kind of like, yeah, like if you, hey, remember that thing? Yeah. That was funny. That that funny thing somebody else said. I'm going to say it because it was funny well, when somebody else said it. Uh, yeah. There are like, okay, I'll put it this way. Like, so I am I am reading a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket to mm-hmm. my son right now. And there are um, references throughout that. Like, and this is a children's book. This is a book 
for children. I'm reading it to my six-year-old, and there's a bit where, like, characters are searching through a junk pile, and it was like, she found a teapot and a rusty harmonica and a strange square stone with three languages on it, but none of those were what she was looking for. It was like, just that's a clever reference to the Rosetta Stone that could go over right. your head if you weren't paying attention. Right, or right. like, Or, like, the baby character says you know quote unquote like baby talk that then gets translated but a lot of the time she's saying something in another language or say like she says something about an eggplant and she says aubergine you know so stuff like that like that's clever just literally saying something that's something that somebody else said that's not making a reference that's just that's just saying that, that's, that's just family theft. guy in it yeah like it's family guy it's family guy <laughs> it's like this this whole movie was on the level of cleverness of when Seth MacFarlane just had what's that what's his face um Conway Twitty um, Conway Twitty the the this whole movie is the level of cleverness of the episode where family guy just cut to Conway Twitty singing for like 5 twice. minutes but even that even that, what I will give Seth MacFarlane, and I do not like Seth MacFarlane, but what I will at least give him is at least that took some fucking balls. Yeah, that like, at you, least yeah, you took balls. Yeah, you weren't expecting anyone Annette, to cut to a 60s TV show. Yeah, Annette, Annette has no balls. Yeah. I know that's a controversial <laughs> statement. But no, like this movie, this movie <clears throat> has no balls. Like there's, it's, it's lazy and it's not... It's lazy and it feels like a fuck you, but the fact that it somehow managed to con people into liking it, given that it has, again, rewards and positive reviews, it clearly, it's like the fuck you is I've, is underhanded enough. I purely think that it's because there aren't a lot of musical movies that come out. And so, oh, look, a musical movie. What What's the what's the language of a musical we're really like? Well, I guess we haven't heard a lot of musicals. So this thing being super referential, isn't that kind of clever that it's doing that? Like, you know, the like, arrogance, yeah. the arrogance. Like, that's the thing, too, is like how how arrogant I mean. And OK, like these are a couple of, you know, white guys <clears throat> and like, you know, the 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 quintessential self-confidence of a mediocre white man you know because how like how arrogant do you have to be to clearly know jack shit about musicals and be like i'm gonna accept millions of dollars and write a musical because even like i'm okay i'm over jukebox musicals like i think yeah I love Moulin Rouge. I think Moulin Rouge is fantastic. Generally speaking, I'm over jukebox musicals. I think they're kind of lazy. I think they're overdone. I think they often don't work well. However, at the very least with a jukebox musical, at least you know the music is going to be good because there are songs that have already been proven to work. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Whereas... Whereas with this, it was just like, it literally, okay, so I will say this, like my best friend, hi, Alan, my best friend and I in high school, when we were like 15 years old, we're like, we're going to write a musical. And we didn't know anything. Neither of us was like, we were both in marching band, I think was the extent of our musical ability. And we like were in community theater musicals and we're like, we're going to write a musical about the little mermaid. And we wrote a musical, like we just wrote like the book, essentially we wrote the <laughs> lyrics nice. and from my recollection, that musical that two inexperienced 15-year-olds wrote based on The Little Mermaid was much better than the, than the book of this <laughs> thing. And, and I'm not a... saying that to be self-aggrandizing. <laughs> it was not good. Yeah. But 
it was better than this. Uh, and, but at least I he just, didn't say, I am swimming now. Now I am talking to my dad. You know what I said? You know what I said to my wife after I finally choked down this movie? Like this movie, <laughs> making myself watch this movie was like making yourself eat something. It, it, it felt like if you if you ever have like, I don't know, if you ever like had to eat something that it's like. Like it's clearly just, undercooked or something like that. Like. And you just have to like, okay, I, I just got to choke this down. Yeah. That's what it felt like. After choking this, I said to my wife, you know, if these guys had written Sondheim, if these or if these guys had written Sweeney Todd instead of Sondheim, the first number would have been Sweeney Todd standing on stage singing, I kill people, I'm a barber, and I kill people because I'm angry, and I kill people, I'm a barber, and I kill people. And then Mrs. Lovett would have been like, and I make them into pies, I make them into pies, I make them meat, and I put them in pies, and people eat them. That is what Sweeney Todd would be like. If Sparks right. had written Sweeney Todd. Right. Oh, my God. Let's, let's Fuck go. those guys. Uh, let's, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, let's go through some other uh, musicals that uh, they could uh, literalize. Uh, what, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> if they'd written Les Mis. I'm a prostitute who dies of consumption. Right. Like, <laughs> In yeah. In like, uh, you know, if they cared more about sex workers, I would not have. Like, <laughs> it's like, even, yes, even, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, um, fucking... Brigadoon. We are magic Scottish people. We are magic Scottish people. We're magic Scottish people and we have magic and there is a curse on us and we're magic. Amazon. And our town only appears once a sensory. We're magic Scottish people. We're magic Scottish people. Amazon, hire us. We'll write your next musical. I swear <laughs> oh to God, God, we can do it. Like if that's uh, if this is the barrier for injury, we got you and we'll work for we'll you know what? Take their <laughs> price half of it we'll do it for half the price <laughs> and yeah. we will write your literalized versions of fucking what's another one uh 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 sweet charity i'm a prostitute and i meet this guy but i decide to keep being a prostitute because fuck him like <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah yeah oh my god man I poor poor steven sondheim is rolling in his freshly dug grave <laughs> Good lord! Uh, oh man, <laughs> I think I think I think that's about I think it's about time to wrap this one up. <laughs> I, I can't. Th- I've I've literally yelled myself hoarse about how angry I am. So, oh man! So uh, this has been the Review New Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear all the other exclusive episodes, be sure to check them out on patreon.com slash rapcritic, where you can also, of course, get access to Rap Critic episodes early, vote on song reviews, and join the RC Patreon. Uh, I mean, and join the RC Discord. That's what it is. The RC Patreon Discord. That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, plus, if you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are listened to. Uh, it's super helpful and exposes us to other people trying to find content like this on the ever-changing algorithm where you're not sure what exactly is supposed to you know get you out there other than just being like hey could you you know let other people know you know tell the people you know what i mean um, professor goatsy please forgive us <laughs> right did you say professor goatsy <laughs> what's his name professor dr. Goat, goat man dr goat man you said professor i'm not trying, get out of here <laughs> dr. Go- <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not trying to make fun of him i'm just that's what my brain is at right now i forgot no do- no dr uh, Goatman, we appreciate you right please Doctor Doctor Goatman, Doctor Doctor Popelik Monster, don't leave us. <laughs> I hope you are not angry, but I'm sorry that was the worst thing I've ever seen oh, no. in my life. <laughs> but yeah, uh, 
So this is has been the Reviewer New Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'm DJ. I'm Evan. And she offers a crop key. key. We're, We're down, down on our knees. Because no one wants a fellow with a social disease. She offers a crop key. What are we to do? She offers a crop key. Crop you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rest in power, Asandam. There we go, yes. <laughs>